Hello and welcome. I am Dr. Lara May, a clinical pharmacist specializing in functional medicine, as well as a certified yoga teacher and Reiki master. I run a truly integrative health coaching practice, encompassing functional medicine lab testing, yoga and meditation, and a sprinkling of Reiki energy medicine. Join me here on Light Body Radio to break through your health plateau and come into alignment with your natural vitality. everybody welcome to another episode of light body radio and today's guest with me is emma foster from the my human experience podcast and she and i just had a free-flowing conversation about a lot of different things and we didn't do intros for each other so i wanted to give you a little bit of introduction before i um open up the conversation. She is an Instagram influencer, a mom, and a mental health advocate, and we talk about so many cool and interesting things. I hope you enjoy today's episode. What is it exactly all that you do? Um, Well, I call my practice fully integrative. So I am a functional medicine practitioner. And if anybody out there is not familiar with functional medicine, it's essentially getting to the root of the issue. So mainly in Western medicine, we do symptomatic treatment, but we don't really look for the root cause. So in functional medicine, we look for the root cause and aim for that with our entire approach. And with that, that includes mindset, That includes um, meditation for me. um, It includes mindset meditation. I am a certified yoga teacher, and I really just um, focus on that within my practice. I don't teach public classes yet anyway. And um, what else? Food is medicine is a huge tenant. And then I like to go in and support with any functional medicine testing and supplements that my client may or may not need. So, um, by day, so to speak, or technically by night, because I'm a graveyard clinical pharmacist still. <laughs> so I work in a hospital uh, in Northern California. And um, that's, I, I, I still enjoy that because I'm collaborating with doctors and nurses uh, throughout my shift. So really help optimizing patient care while they're with us. So for me, that's sort of the essence of where Western medicine shines is in the acute care phase. Where they don't shine so much, in my personal opinion, is the chronic care or the maintenance. And so I like to think that with my private practice, I'm really helping patients restore health, balance health, maintain health through food and lifestyle and mindset and supplements and all that good stuff. And then when I'm at my full-time job, then we're focusing on acute care. Like this is emergently wrong and we're going to address that thing right there. So um, kind of all over the place, but. (laughs) I think that's amazing. Functional medicine is really, really intriguing to me. And especially like you said, just kind of in the realm of medicine today, do you think that a lot of people's um, ailments and struggles come from intolerances to certain foods or where do you think they mostly stem from? Mostly I would probably say it's environmental, which does include that. And when I say environmental, I mean the things we're exposing ourselves to through media, through food, through environmental toxins, through where we work, how we work, how we sleep, all of these. So it's, it's a very complex answer. And mm-hmm. I think that's where Western medicine, unfortunately, uh, they almost have like this tunnel vision. Like you go to your doctor and you say, well, these are the ways I don't feel good. And they say, okay, well, that's a problem with this organ system. And we're going to give you a pill for that one thing. Oh, but comes with it all these side effects because it does affect the whole body. <laughs> and so functional medicine really focuses on the complex web and tries to pull in in a stepwise fashion so that it's not overwhelming for the, for the client or the patient too. 
Okay. That makes sense. And I know that you do um, energy healing too. So how do you incorporate that? So that is entirely up to the client I'm seeing at the time. If they are open to Reiki or energy healing, then um, I have a couple few clients that really uh, we have part of this session um, like under my crystal bed and I do Reiki and channeling in conjunction with that. And then the other session is, you know, them talking about what's working, what's not working, what they've tried, what I've suggested that they try that they have resistance to and where that resistance might be coming, or maybe it just fit in with their lifestyle. So really trying to customize this approach to each individual person. I love that. I talk a lot about mental health in my podcast, and it's such a broad subject because there's so many things that play into the way you feel um, physically, energetically, emotionally. I feel like, especially how you said, environment has so much to do with it. Mm-hmm. And I kind of trust that a lot. But like I said, it's so broad. Um, I think it definitely, everybody's different. So different things definitely work for different people. It is. And, you know, it's also about figuring, finding out what have people tried so far, because, you know, again, Western medicine is sort of this protocolized approach. So you, you know, a patient shows up, they have their chief complaint, and we, you know, respond within this protocol. And a lot of that has to do with reimbursement, too. And so you can't get reimbursed unless you've gone through the protocol. Now, once the protocol has failed, then you can try other things and still um, most likely get reimbursed. But so this whole like money factor comes into Western medicine and with functional and integrative approach, it really is, okay, well, what have you tried? So we can say what worked, what didn't work, you know, what was also going on when you tried this one thing, Like, let's say like depression or anxiety, you know, like what were you eating? What was your, you know, what was your daily uh, routine like? Where, where did you augment it? Where were you successful? What did you try that you wanted to work, but maybe didn't, you know, so all of these different things It's sort of like, I, I have these little silly rhymes that I sometimes infuse into my work. And um, the objective detective is one that comes up a lot. So uh, because a big thing within my practice too is not judging ourselves. So be the objective detective, look at things objectively. Don't judge yourself for it. Be forgiving, be kind, be easy, be gentle, because you can always learn. Even if something didn't work, you can learn from it and then make a better choice from that perspective. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. It's definitely hard not to be judging ourselves. It is. It is hard. Yeah. (laughs) But I like that approach a lot, especially when you're trying to figure out what it is you're doing right and what it is you're doing wrong. Because I know when we think we're doing something wrong, we definitely beat ourselves up pretty bad about it instead of, okay, well, what can I learn from this? And what can I do right moving forward so that I feel better next time? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. So when you do Reiki healing, do you look into like the balancing of people's chakras and what do you think throws people out of balance? Um, so chakras are definitely one of the things I, I think the chakra system is always like a good basis to start from. And so I like to do a general tune in. Obviously, whenever the client comes to me and they tell me what's going on, that gives me a good idea. But just like our human body, our energetic body is interconnected and it is not as simple as you have seven chakras. And, you know, if this one is all about it, it's I feel like sometimes it's oversimplified. And so you could have, you know, an issue like with your heart chakra. And it could definitely be influencing all the way down to your your base chakra, all the way up to your seventh chakra, you know, maybe because you had some sort of heartbreak in the past or some sort of trauma, you've cut yourself off in other ways as a mechanism of self-protection. Does that answer your question? Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> if you if I start rambling, just <laughs> don't be afraid to interrupt. <laughs> Redirect. <laughs> 
You are answering all my questions perfectly. Thank you. (laughs) So what got you started with your podcast? I listened to some of them and um, the most recent episode is the one I listened to in full. And I really loved you talking about the solstice and how it affects us and um, just how we can move through it. Yes. Um, So what got me started with it was my own... Um, I w- health challenges and just feeling really lost and disconnected. I'm a student of Carolyn Mace and she talks a lot about the dark night of the soul. She's not the only spiritual teacher that talks about this concept, but mm-hmm. for me, definitely going through my dark night of the soul sort of was the trigger for me because I had lived with anxiety and depression previously in my life. So let's put this in a point of reference. So like 2013 to 14 was my dark night of the soul. When I was in college, I suffered uh, pretty bad from anxiety and depression. I I was medicated. Um, I was also using drugs and alcohol as an outlet, which obviously is never healthy. And so having been through that and come out the other side once, I didn't want to go back to to that point. But I saw myself sort of, you know, merging down that path again. And so, you know, in A Course in Miracles, they talk about choosing again. And so I was like, this is my chance to choose again. (laughs) I don't want to, you know, repeat things that I've already done in the past. So I started looking. I I just felt that I had some friends that were Reiki practitioners. And I had um, a really good friend that uh, was a past life regression therapist. And so... I'd been exposed to some of these different spirituality practices uh, in the past. And I thought, well, maybe there's something there for me that, you know, I haven't found yet or something that could help give me some direction and some connection. And so now that's why I really love to incorporate the natural rhythms of the seasons. Um, I talk a lot about, I don't know if I talk a lot, but I want to talk more about like working with nature and working with animal totems and um, the spirit of the trees and all of these natural things. Cause I think especially within the United States and a Western culture, especially if we live in a city, then it's really easy for us to get, get disconnected from nature. Absolutely. So I grew up in nature and then when I moved to the city, I almost didn't know what to do with myself. It almost felt kind of like I was suffocating. And yeah. even now being the nature lover that I am, it's, I still don't get out into it as much as I would like to. Yeah. And for me, it's, I am lucky because I live, you know, in Truckee, just north of Lake Tahoe. And so, you know, the forest is literally just outside my back door. But even still, like, it's so easy to get caught up in our daily lives, the things we feel like we have to do, and that, you know, sometimes we can just forget that it's there. But once we're out and we're in it, we're like, oh, yes, this feels so good. You know, you can feel things slow down. You can feel things come into perspective and become clear. And I don't know, for me, it's just like I feel that's where I feel in alignment and sort of like in the groove with life. Yes, me too. It's kind of like cleansing and just naturally healing without even trying to be. Yes, yes. Yeah. And isn't that the best? Like when it when something is easy and it's healing at the same time. I, <laughs> I feel like yeah. that's the perfect, <laughs> the perfect spot. So I definitely can relate to um kind of how you found your love of spiritual healing through what you called the dark night of the soul. I'm actually familiar with that concept. So I know what you're talking about. Um, Came to me too. And I feel like in that space um, was the first place I really felt supported after going through everything that I did on such a traumatic level. I had actually found it was the Reno Psychic Institute. I don't even know if it's still open, but I it was right after I had gotten pregnant, I started going there because on Wednesday nights, they did like a free energy clearing. And I was just so attracted and drawn to that. And that was kind of my first 
taste of that world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And isn't it funny how the universe guides us to what we're seeking? Sometimes we don't even know it, you know? Definitely. I didn't think that I would feel as at home there as I ended up feeling. Um, but it definitely is what brought me back into my light. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, like I never really expected to start my own private practice or become, I'm a master trained and attuned in both a Sui and Angelic Reiki. So um, I've taught Reiki to other people and I never thought that that would be something I would do either. And, you know, when I first started going down the path, again, I was just looking for something to help me clear what I knew no longer served me, but also to help, you know, bring in fullness, completeness, connection, you know, these things that I was missing, but I knew that they weren't coming to me from, you know, uh, like I said, outside sources that were definitely not healthy. So, (laughs) but you know, your path just unfolds. (laughs) It really does. And now that I've dived into it and I understand it more and I do the meditating and the yoga I mean, I just don't really think there's anything else that has been so healing to me, even though it can also be so difficult, especially Mm -hmm. meditating is very difficult for me. What kind of meditation do you enjoy? I prefer guided meditations Mm -hmm. because my brain is so noisy. Yeah. Uh, But even then, it's like sometimes I get it, but sometimes the whole meditation is just me practicing and trying (laughs) to be in the present yeah absolutely uh you know that's totally normal we are human (laughs) (laughs) we definitely have our you know our internal dialogue and so you know that's I mean I'm sure I've heard you uh also say that you're a Bikram yoga practitioner and so I'm sure I've I used to practice Bikram as well and so like when you're in there and you're sweating and you're you know really pushing yourself and or it's like really hard that day some days are easy some days are hard you know just like that (laughs) meditation is the same way yes sometimes I get in the hot room and I surprise myself and I'm like so stoked with my progress and some days I feel like I'm gonna die so it kind of (laughs) <laughs> just depends and it really doesn't even matter how I feel when I'm going into there it it's just the practice in itself and kind of how I flow through it yes I think it's both are an exercise in we as humans like learning to let go of our ego and like you just said expectations like oh I ex- I feel good so this class sh- you know should be easy for me today nope <laughs> that's when the universe comes in it's like oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then you find yourself laying on your back in Shavasana, just, you know, waiting for your heart rate to come down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At least that's how I would feel a lot of times. So <laughs> it is definitely challenging. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I have to say too, that, um, I started meditating back in like 2006 or seven, uh, when I was in pharmacy school, It was so stressful and I was having a really hard time sleeping and I was in this cycle of, okay, I'm tired, but now I'm going to lay in bed, worry about all this stuff and not going to get any sleep. And, um, finally got to the point where I actually one night like took too much Benadryl to help myself sleep. And so then I just like laid in bed, like shaking, (laughs) which I learned later was Benadryl toxicity. (laughs) So definitely like anybody out there take one to two and no more than that. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, but so it was after that, that I was like, all right, I have to try something else. And I found these guided, um, they were biurnal beats, uh, with guided meditation, like sleep talk down. Mm -hmm. And so I just started listening to those and that worked. And then I was like, Oh, I like this. And so like they had others like in their repertoire that, you know, helped you, you know, focus on other things. So whether it was like opening up to love or focusing on forgiveness or um, maybe even they had some that uh, helped you like focus better. So when I would study, I actually started listening to those as well. And so it really opened my mind and my eyes and my practice to something totally new. 
And honestly, that was, you know, like a good seven years before I even started down the quote Reiki spiritual practice side of things. So um, that's why I'm such a big proponent of meditation as well in my practice. That's awesome. I know it really helps me to sleep. And sometimes that's the only way I get to sleep. I also do those sleep talk down ones because they're so helpful. And then I try to do one each morning. And it's interesting because I find that on the mornings that I do take the time and just meditate even for 10 minutes, the rest of my day just truly seems to flow easier. It seems Mm -hmm. like I'm more productive. I'm less distracted. I'm less lethargic. And I just, I really do feel a lot better, even if I struggle through the meditation the entire 10 minutes. Yeah. And I think people too, like forget that meditation doesn't necessarily have to be like sitting still with your eyes closed in a room of silence. You know, like you said, you prefer guided. I love guided meditations. Because even if my mind, quote, feels clear, sometimes I just feel like I can tune in and go deeper if I'm able to, like, give my consciousness over to whatever's guiding me through it. And so I think, you know, we can also do that with journaling. And, I, you know, so, like, in terms of, like, tools to clear our mind, whether it's in the morning or at night, you know, just writing down whatever is rattling around up there (laughs) can be super helpful too. Yes, definitely. Um, Especially just for coming back into the moment. I, I'm a pretty emotional person. So sometimes um, I get a little away from myself that way and either journaling or meditating or doing something that brings me back to myself is really helpful, especially in that moment. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you, do you use mantras when, um, when you do that or how, do you mind if I ask how you, that, how you, uh, walk yourself through that practice? So I usually start out with my breath work and that's just something I learned in therapy that really helped me more than anything, because once my anxiety gets going and I'm feeling really emotional, I tend to hold my breath. So I'm not Mm. even normally, um, so First, I usually focus on my breath and then, yeah, I, I'm the type of person that I have like sticky notes and motivational things all over the place, kind of just to bring me back into sync. Yeah, and absolutely. that's when I'm like, okay, I can use my resources to calm down now, like my guided meditations or my journaling or even listening to a podcast. I really enjoy listening to podcasts kind of just to bring my focus back to a healthy place. Yeah, absolutely. I have to say that once I made the conscious decision to eliminate the news and like the news media, like audio and video from my life, that I've made a conscious decision. Okay, well, what am I going to replace it with? And for me, it became podcasts. It became audiobooks or, you know, uh, YouTube videos that were of the same sort of like self-help, motivational, positive thinking type of subject matter. So absolutely. Yes. The media can be so toxic, especially right now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I'm one of those people, like, I like to be aware of what's going on. But now that I've detoxed myself from it, I... I mean, this is not an exaggeration. Most of the time I can only tolerate like maybe five minutes. And I would say usually I don't even make it five minutes before I'm just like, oh, this is bullshit. And I turn it off. Sorry. If, you, know, <laughs> you might need to bleed me out. But <laughs> I feel the same way. <laughs> so, yeah. Again, it's, it's definitely, I feel like also with the whole going back to the the purposeful non-judgment is a good exercise to infuse non-judgment and understanding and compassion into our daily practice. If we can do that and watch the news at the same time, I feel like right. that, should, that should be a celebrated accomplishment. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. I go through um, periods of time where I call it a social media detox and it's usually particularly Facebook and I just have to delete the app from my phone for weeks or months at a time just to disconnect from that part of the world Instagram doesn't tend to be so bad it's less wordy and you can be more intentional about who you 
follow and the kinds of things on your feed, but Facebook can be a little harder to manage in that mm-hmm. way. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I totally agree with you. Sometimes my husband's like, did you see what so-and-so? I'm like, no, I did not. <laughs> and I am happy I didn't. <laughs> same. Yeah. I have those same conversations with my fiance. You're like, but I tagged you in something. Well, I'm not on there right now. So yeah, I probably yeah. won't see it until next month, but. <laughs> and I feel like too, like that also like helps us create good social media habits in general, because I do feel and I know you're an Instagram influencer, so you're probably more of an expert on this than I am, but that attachment and sort of that habit of, especially like with you and me and our businesses, so much of our business is about social media on the marketing side of things and using it to, you know, get exposure and find clients or just, you know, as an education piece, you know, whatever it is. And so actually sort of when we separate from it, and sort of making the separation a part of our daily routine versus the connection to it. You know what I mean? Oh, totally. I have a very kind of subconscious habit of going on my social media consistently for that reason. And that's part of why I do that detox is to break the habit of constantly opening it every time I look at my phone, which is way more often than I should most days. Yeah, I think even just a good like little step for me was deactivating the notifications. Yes, I have Yep, I have to do that. (laughs) It's just way too distracting for me. Yeah. And even for like from the business side of things, like I'm on it enough at least once a day, if not twice a day. And that's, you know, probably still a modest estimation, but that's enough to get the messages that I need from potential current or whatever, you know, collaboration thing I'm, I'm working on. And versus so that I, again, like I don't have to be constantly interrupted and distracted with notifications coming through on my phone about a lot of things that don't really matter in the long run, you know? <laughs> Definitely. Most of the notifications yeah, really aren't anything that need my attention right away. And if I have them on, they're grabbing my attention anyway. (laughs) I would love to hear more about your book. Yeah, so my book is a memoir that took me a few years to finish. So the basis of the story I actually wrote a couple years ago, but Um, Through my editing and publishing process, I officially wrapped things up probably about six months ago, and then it was recently released in July. And it's really kind of just my journey of kind of where I started, um, you know, just as a kid, an innocent teenager, when I still had the fire in me and where I lost it and then where I came back to myself. So I left home when I was really young um, for a lot of different reasons. There was a lot of stuff going on back home, um, just a lot of difficult things that I was dealing with as a teenager. And to top it off, I was just extremely rebellious. So I always kind of wanted to go against the status quo and I always thought that I knew better than everybody else. So I went after chasing a modeling career, which seemed really promising at first, but I ended up getting sick kind of for no reason. And nobody was ever able truly to figure out what was going on with me. Mm -hmm. And it ended up making me go back home. And then when I went back home, I kind of just felt like I failed because I had this huge opportunity and I just felt like I destroyed it or I wasn't good enough. And it really just kind of messed with my self-worth on a really deep level. Mm. And I had some family out um, in Nevada and they're like, well, why don't you just come out here? And so I was like, sure, why not? (laughs) And so people always ask me how I ended up in Reno and I always tell them it was a series of unfortunate events. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Once I came here, I really kind of just 
delved right into the wrong kind of crowd. I was hanging around very toxic, unhealthy people in very toxic environments. And I just don't think I was really aware at the time um, how much that was affecting me. And it ended up leading me into what was basically a series of abusive relationships emotionally and physically. And I spent a lot of years kind of just in that really dark place. And then to add to everything that was going on back here, um, the person I call my other mother, um, she was my best friend's mom, um, but was in my life since I was very, very young and Mm -hmm. uh, took a huge role in raising me. Um, I spent so much time with their family at their house and she actually ended up being murdered when I was 19 years old by her boyfriend in a domestic dispute and it was the way that everything happened was extremely traumatic he killed her the day before Christmas Eve um I was in the middle of a very physically abusive relationship myself when she was first killed he didn't tell us that so we thought that she was missing the guy that did it ended up killing himself so we never really had any answers and it wasn't three months later that they actually found her so all of that um really took a huge toll on me mentally and I just really didn't deal with it in a healthy way you know, I was drinking and I was partying and I was still hanging out with people that really didn't care about me. I really didn't care about myself. And it's basically is what led me up to becoming pregnant um, unexpectedly. And that was kind of like my wake up call. Mm -hmm. So as soon as I got pregnant with my son, all my bad habits stopped. I kind of just like reclused into myself almost I you know separated myself from all the toxic people and it still even then it took me a long time to kind of work my way towards truly being on a path that was healthy Mm -hmm. um I feel like that was kind of just the start of it where I realized that you know I really needed to do something and I needed to find healing and I couldn't just ignore everything that happened to me and I had to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And that's really kind of just what started me back on the journey to myself. Um, yeah, that's one of the things I love about your podcast. And I think it even just says it in the intro is that like, we need to learn how to deal with our stuff and how are we going to do that? And being honest, but you know, in a safe space, And just because I feel like even if we're raised in a, you know, quote unquote, like typically healthy family environment, a lot of times I don't think that we're given the tools that or taught the tools that we need to deal with some of the, you know, horrible, crazy, bad shit that's going to happen to us along the way. Um, Yeah, absolutely. I feel like the things that I dealt with even as a child was nothing compared to what hit me in early adulthood. And I think that's why I struggled so much to get out of those hard places is because I really had no rule book on what was the right or the wrong thing to do. And I think out of being scared to do the wrong thing, I just stayed stagnant for a really long time. And Mm -hmm. that was really my biggest issue. And There were definitely times that I felt like that was all life ever was going to be. But then I always kind of had this like little glimmer of hope in my heart that, you know, life could be better and it can be, (laughs) but it's hard to see that sometimes. And I think people sometimes struggle holding on to that little hope and finding their faith in it and knowing that they can change and things can change, but you definitely have to move. You can't just stay in the same place. Yeah, absolutely. It's, 
taking. And for me now, I call that inspired action uh, because I think plenty of us take action, but it's usually from a place of fear or even sometimes it's beyond fear, like total fight or flight action. And, you know, sometimes that can be, we can be supported by the universe in those actions, but most of the time that's not really, you know, what's going to keep us moving in. I don't want to say right. Cause you know, right versus wrong, that whole polarity thing, but you know, a productive, we'll call it productive trajectory. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I, I definitely hear you. That my book, that whole story is really kind of what inspired me to do my podcast is because I wanted to create a community in an open and safe space for people to talk about things and know they're not alone and to find the resources and the allies to help them heal and move forward and really find that, like you said, inspired action rather than just doing things out of fear or kind of just flailing like I did for a really long time. Yeah. And I think a lot of us do. And uh, yeah, what I like the most in your, um, your little intro on your like about this podcast little section, understanding our challenges that bring us together and make us stronger. Because I think especially when we're going through that dark night of the soul or something that's super toxic and scary or, you know, traumatic, any of those things, we feel so alone. And definitely for me, when I was going through that and the different and other low spots during my life where I was choosing behaviors that weren't healthy and that weren't productive, but were just sort of masking the emotions that I didn't want to feel or the experiences that I didn't want to acknowledge that I was going through. you know, that, that feeling of isolation and alone. And so I think that's, that's a great purpose is to bring people together and make us, make us stronger together as a group. Yay. Yes. And it has brought me to meet um, a lot of really awesome people and kind of just inspire my opportunity to keep moving forward and doing things like this. And like, I'm talking to you right now. And I don't know, maybe not ever found you if I hadn't started on this journey. I know. Isn't that crazy? And we're just down the street from each other, (laughs) (laughs) you know, down the street, like 30 miles, but whatever, it's down the street. (laughs) Not that far. (laughs) It's really not. And I used to live at my, uh, my first year out here. I lived in Reno as well. So um, yeah, I like Reno. It's a good, good little town. It is. I feel like it kind of has the best of both worlds because you get a little bit of the city and then you also have Tahoe and like Truckee right there and California's just over the hill. So I just like it because I feel like it's really cultured and yeah. it's definitely growing in sure. more of a kind of cultured, spiritual, accepting kind of community. Well, I honestly feel like the the culture and the counterculture there is Reno's best kept secret. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, like when I first moved to California from Reno, there would be a lot of disdain and a lot of like uh, nose turning. You know, for oh Reno black. You know, all these things that they would say, uh, and I just thought to myself, you know what? That's okay because that'll keep more people away from it. And it'll allow that cool little counterculture that's there to flourish even more. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I feel like it's definitely misunderstood. And even I misunderstood it when I first moved here because I really just kind of immediately dived into the wrong crowd, but I didn't realize how great it actually was here. And now it's definitely my home. So I'm glad that I was able to find a different energy and a different space and find my gratitude for what was really here. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. I have another question for you in terms of, um, in your most recent podcast episode about your, is it combo? The the frog medicine? Mm -hmm. Um, Is that your first experience with any sort of, um, sort of like native, um, native American, like healing medicine or, 
like any experience with like ayahuasca or peyote or anything like that or as as cambo or your your sort of first experience or like toe dipping in so I feel like it's my first extreme experience um I haven't really delved into any of like ayahuasca or anything like that um I've done like microdosing with um the mushrooms and Mm -hmm. I've done cacao ceremonies um but they were very um what is the right word for it um I guess almost relaxed compared to this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this was definitely my first extreme experience of really kind of just going for it and trusting my soul because I was very fearful mm-hmm. um, when I first made the decision that yes, this is what I was going to do. But I felt it so much in my heart and my soul that this was the right thing to do. But kind of like the logical side of my brain was kind of freaking out mm-hmm. because um, for anybody that has Googled, it's the first thing that pops up is many deaths has been associated with this medicine. <laughs> You're like, yes. oh my God. <laughs> like, oh good. This seems like a great idea now. <laughs> right. So that was a little bit scary, but when I kept researching it and I watched many videos of people's experience, just so I could kind of mentally prepare myself for what I was about to experience, I felt a lot more relaxed when I actually learned kind of everything about it. And then John, um, the combo practitioner that did it with me, my friend, he really helped me feel a lot better too when we did kind of our pre requisite call where he you know he goes through and he asks you do you have any medical conditions are you on any medication he's very thorough he's very knowledgeable so I felt really safe yeah yeah Carolyn Mace likes to say that anytime we're doing deep spiritual work we need a guide and you know I feel like that's true with whatever spiritual work it is that there are definitely some things we can do on our own and we can do a lot of, you know, internal delving and examination, but I feel like to have a guide is invaluable. And especially obviously with something that's ceremonial, whether it's a plant medicine or the frog medicine or, you know, um, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, a bit of a crazy experience. (laughs) Um, I mean, It was just interesting. So I'll tell you a little bit about it. When we opened the ceremony and everything, I could already kind of feel it in my body. And like John told me, he says the medicine starts working as soon as you've made the decision to allow it into your life. Mm -hmm. Um, As soon as you set the intention, it already starts working. Mm -hmm. So before he even put it on me, when he was doing the little burn marks on my back, I was shaking uncontrollably. It was so strange. I was just shaking so bad to the point that my teeth were chattering. I just, I was so shaky. And then as soon as he put the medicine on me, I stopped shaking completely. It was the weirdest thing. It was just like this calm came over my body Mm -hmm. and you do feel the pressure in your face right away. That was probably the first thing I felt was it feels like your face is swelling and then kind of a numbness in your feet and your hands. But then my hands, they felt so numb that it felt like I couldn't even hold on to anything, which wasn't true because I was holding on to the bucket that I was about to throw up. (laughs) Right. Um, I was holding up to your life, I swear. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't feel like it was my spirit telling me that I couldn't hold on to everything. I was trying so hard to hold on to needed to let it go. And so when the nausea hit me, it hit me really hard. And I almost felt like my body wasn't going to let it go. Like I could feel it wanting to but then I could also feel myself still kind of resisting it and that's when John he does um, sound healing and he really kind of guides you through that moment and I just kept 
telling myself in my head, I was like, come back to me, just come back to yourself. It's okay. And then that's when I started to purge. And every single time I purged, I just, it was like this huge release and I felt so much better. And then I really didn't purge that much. I probably threw up maybe four or five times. And then it's not much. <laughs> well, I only threw up a liter of the about a liter of the water. So you drink two liters. Okay. Um, and then as soon as I stopped, it was really only about 10, 15 minutes of feeling really nauseous like that. I immediately felt better. Cool. And it was, yeah, it was a very peaceful, calm feeling. And when you close out the ceremony, um, he reads your purge and then you take the tobacco that you set your attention in and your purge and you give it back to mother earth. So I poured it out by my favorite little tree in my backyard and you just say thank you, you know, to mother earth and mm-hmm. mother ayahuasca, because really that's where this medicine stems from mm-hmm. and you close it out and it, it was really amazing. And it's actually something that I do plan on doing again and kind of continuing, continuing as a medicinal practice in my life as I need it. That's really cool. Do you, is what, sorry. (laughs) Did you choose this particular type of medicine before a different indigenous type of medicine? I know you said you'd done a few of the other ceremonies or was it just, um, you know, that not convenience, but like availability. Is that a better word? So I think what it was, um, and this might sound a little strange to some people. I was very afraid of um, kind of the psychedelic forms of medicine mm-hmm. because I feel like through the trauma that I experienced, I had a lot of darkness in me and I was really afraid of what might come out if I didn't have control over my mind. Mm-hmm. And that sounds silly, but no, not at all. I, I really felt that, that way. And one of the things John told me is this medicine is often used for that reason Mm -hmm. right before somebody does an ayahuasca ceremony. Mm. Okay, cool. So I was like, okay, I feel like this is right in line with me. Yeah, right on. Yeah, no, I definitely, I don't think that sounds strange at all. And um, I, before I ever really knew anything about, and I still don't, think I know that much personally um and I have not done any necessary like uh you know indigenous uh ceremonial medicine but I do have some friends that have definitely you know gone deep with like LSD you know and and so that sort of always like you said like you're afraid of what will come up or maybe that you'll go away and never come back. You know, (laughs) there's been, um, you know, a lot of actual like documented research, especially with LSD in terms of, you know, if you do too much, do too much over a long period of time or do too much all at once, it can definitely like change your personality. And so, no, I think that's a valid, (laughs) valid fear. (laughs) Um, But that's also, like you said, like you had a great guide and why doing any sort of spiritual digging, I think, you should have a guide, but especially for any ceremonial medicine, for sure, mm-hmm. have a guide. Don't ever, ever experiment or try it by yourself. Yes. Having a guide. And then also I feel having the right intention is really important. Yes. Yes. Your intention is everything when you're doing the ceremonies. And I really think that it overall kind of determines your experience with it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yes. I actually have a friend now that uses um, supervised LSD therapy for her trauma, which I think is super interesting. Um, so, yeah. And I think I would, that would be considered like a microdosing. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. 
again and again, I'm not an expert and I don't know a huge amount about it, but like there are these, you know, not only um, medicinal uses, but spiritually medicinally. Does that, you know, make sense? (laughs) I think that makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, because, you know, I, and I love that, you know, your guide said that uh, John said, you know, as soon as you say yes, the medicine starts. And uh, my friend and I went, traveled down to John of God in Brazil uh, two years ago. And she and I, I think, would both agree that as soon as we said yes, and we put down that deposit and started communicating with the guide that that we were going to go with down there, that, you know, things started to shift and come into alignment and certain things started to be released and let go. And so, yeah. And I, I think that could be said for many spiritual and intentional things. As soon as you say yes, then the universe starts to really work with you. Yeah. So I actually just reread The Alchemist. <laughs> this was my second time <laughs> reading it. But for some reason, this time, it just captivated me so much. But that was one of the things that he says in that book is, as soon as you start moving towards what is right for you, all of the universe conspires to help you get there. Yes, I love that. Absolutely. I would give that a hell yes. Yes. (laughs) It's a really beautiful story for anybody that is going to listen to this um, and hasn't read it. It's super inspiring. And it's just a totally different kind of almost like spiritual healing type of book because it's just a story, but you learn so much from the story that he tells. Yes. Yes. And I think that's how most of us probably learn in the most authentic and deepest way is through other people's stories. And so I really want to give you props for putting your story out there, um, both in your podcast and in your book, um, because it is helping others. So thank you. Yay. Thank you. I appreciate that. So on that note, I think it's a good time to wrap up. Yes. Thanks for joining us today, and if you want to find more episodes of Light Body Radio, definitely tune in to Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, CastBox, essentially anywhere you can find podcasts, you can find Light Body Radio. You can also find me on Instagram at Dr. Lara May, and you can find Emma at My Human Experience Podcast on Instagram, and definitely check out her book on Amazon entitled Lies I Told Myself, and all of this can be found on the show notes on my website at drlaramay.com forward slash radio forward slash Emma Foster. We will catch you guys in the next episode. Namaste.